Today is the first Sunday in Lent. The season, beginning with Ash Wednesday, is a time for self-examination and repentance. It is a time for prayer and fasting and self-denial. It is a time for reading and meditating on God's holy word. It is a time for almsgiving. And the first Sunday in Lent is always reserved for the narrative of our Lord Jesus in the wilderness when he was tempted by the devil. Our time of Lent mirrors the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness. Jesus was tempted three times by the devil, as recorded in the Gospels. You know, temptation is something that we all face in life, young or old. Five-year-old Johnny was told to not eat the fresh donuts that were on his mother's kitchen counter. And the mother was sitting in the living room when she heard a kitchen chair scraping across the floor towards the counter. She shouted, what are you doing, Johnny? The boy responded a little shook. I'm fighting temptation. <laughs> temptation is not sin. But what we do with temptation is very important. When we hear the gospel lesson today about Jesus and how he resisted temptation, we find a clue as to how we are to resist the temptations in our own lives. All three times Jesus was tempted. He resisted the desire by quoting the Holy Scriptures. Each time he said, it is written. And we take note, the more we know the word of God and have it planted in our hearts and in our minds, we will be able to withstand the schemes of evil in our world. Resisting temptation is what we are to do, as it says in James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Today, though, I want to focus on the last temptation by the devil. St. Luke tells us, The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. And the devil says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In this temptation, the devil himself quotes from Holy Scripture, and it's, it's Psalm 91, the same psalm that is appointed for today. You see, Psalm 91 is a powerful psalm, and it, it features the ways and means that the Almighty God will rescue and protect his people from harm. And it specifically mentions disease, battle, and deadly animals. Of course, all of these would have been common during the time this psalm was written. And obviously, disease and war are still prevalent today, as we have been reminded of too frequently over the last two weeks and two years. Psalm 91 has a powerful history in the church. It is included as one of our four psalms appointed for the prayers of Compline, the prayers in our prayer book that we say before we go to sleep at night, before bed. They're found in the Book of Common Prayer on page 127. It is meant to bring comfort and strength and encouragement against the dangers of the night. 
Saint Athanasius in the fourth century suggested the psalm to Marcellinus. In a letter, the saint wrote this, If you desire to establish yourself and others in devotion, to know what confidence is to be reposed or rested in God, and what makes the mind fearless, you will praise God by reciting the 91st Psalm. That would be a good Lenten discipline. To memorize a psalm, and Psalm 91 would be an excellent choice to sing it in the car or in the house. But does Psalm 91 live up to its billing? We heard in verse 10, There shall no evil happen to you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. That doesn't even sound reasonable. No evil happened to you? It seems in contrast to reality. And one, one commentator notes, for certain believers, this psalm provides some of the most comforting promises of the Bible. But for others, these promises are some of its most unrealistic. And for the faithful who have experienced tragedy, these promises smack of being cruel. Whether we are faithful to God or not, tragedy, disease, war, and a lot of terrible things in our world seem to happen to all sorts of people. With what kind of confidence can we have when we hear the words of Psalm 91? There shall no evil happen to you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. How do we interpret this psalm? Well, for starters... We don't want to interpret it the same way the devil did in the wilderness. This was the psalm that the devil quoted, the one he went to, the, went to in the temptation of Jesus. And the devil suggested Jesus that if he is God's holy one, nothing bad should happen to him. And tempting Jesus to throw himself down from the highest point of the temple. And Jesus responds with a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6 saying, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus did not understand the psalm to be a promise that nothing bad would ever happen to God's people. And certainly it was not appropriate to test God with a bad interpretation of the psalm. In fact, Jesus himself said, you will have trouble in this world. And if they hated me, they will hate you also. One of the keys to understanding the psalm is in a small word that appears three times in its verses. And it's the word refuge. Refuge. Refuge and the similar imagery in the psalm create a concrete place to run to in times of danger. It is the dominant image describing the obligation of believers that we are to run to God in times of danger and harm. We are to put our trust in the Lord and trust is the posture we take, as the psalm says in the second verse. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Jesus knew that real trust in God does not seek to test God. Nor does real trust need God to prove his faithfulness to us. Psalm 91 is not an issue of guarantees but it is to encourage faith in God. 
Listen to the words of the first three verses of Psalm 46, a similar psalm in tone and in content. Psalm 46 verses 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and strength in ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Our lesson for today is to heed the example of Jesus, to trust in God. To love God with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind, which is what we're called to do, is to trust God with our life. Psalm 91 invites us to a trusting relationship with God. As Christians, we should pray Psalm 91. Of course, not in the interpretation of the devil, but in the understanding of trust and faith in God. God is with us in the battles that we face in this life because we are not alone. Whether there be wars, diseases, or whatever there may be, God is with us. We trust in him, and he is our hope. And in Christ, the end is only the beginning. Because in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. We have our blessed hope. We do not face the difficulties of this world without hope. And the Holy Spirit guides us and comforts us as we put our trust in God. We face our trials and temptations and the difficulties with a Lord and a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One, who has redeemed the world. By his sacrifice on the cross, he has overcome evil. By his resurrection from the dead, he has defeated death. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And he is our hope. And that is why we can confidently pray Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my stronghold, my God in whom I put my trust. He shall call upon me and I will answer him in trouble. I will rescue him and bring him to honor. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Because we have a place of refuge in the Lord. May our trust always be in the good, merciful, loving God. Our refuge and strength. Amen.